queens and welcome to the Find Your Glow show. This podcast is for the femme extraordinaires, the get shit done boss business women who are stressed, frazzled, frustrated, depleted and burnt out. I'm Tegan Jenner and I'm super passionate about helping stressed out business women to beat burnout. I'm a multi-qualified practitioner with a degree in naturopathic medicine plus certifications in hypnotherapy, coaching, breathwork and fitness plus a whole other array of things. And I just love witnessing my clients transform from being exhausted to energetic, seeing them glow up and be truly in love with their life. So happy that you're here. This podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any condition or disease. Please consult with an appropriately qualified health practitioner before implementing anything discussed on the show. Hello and welcome back to the Find Your Glow show. Thank you so much for being here. Today we're covering part two of All About Sleep. If you missed part one, go back to that episode and check it out. So let's dive straight in. In episode one, if you listen to that, you will recall that I mentioned sleep apnea is one of the most common reasons for insomnia. Snoring and feeling unrefreshed after sleep are possible indicators of sleep apnea. So if your partner or someone else has mentioned that you snore, or if you sleep alone and think that you might snore or know that you snore because you wake yourself up from it, it might be a good idea to get checked for sleep apnea. So check in with your doctor about that. Because if you're snoring, you are probably not getting enough oxygen through the nine. So of course you are going to wake up tired. If you're no snoring because your nostrils are blocked, you will automatically switch to breathing through your mouth. Chronic mouth breathing is bad for your health for many reasons. Chronic mouth breathers are stressed, tired and exhausted. A huge amount of adults, literally 50%, so half of adults, are persistent mouth breathers when they sleep. Your focus, concentration and attention are all affected by poor sleep quality. We are all familiar with having a shitty night's sleep and how it affects us the next day. It reduces our ability to hold our attention on one thing and for how long you can do it for. It literally impairs our cognitive function when we've had a shitty night's sleep. Do you get up more than once in the night to pee? This can also be a result of mouth breathing and sleep apnea. So something to consider I'm not saying it's 
definitely you getting up more than once in the night to pee can be a lot of different things but mouth breathing and sleep apnea are one of the things so it's worth looking into further if you need to keep getting up through the night to pee nose breathing is essential for recovery for restorative sleep and for focus during the day if you're waking up in the morning with a dry mouth this is an indication that you've been mouth breathing through the night and that you're having terrible sleep quality having a dry mouth when you wake up indicates that your sympathetic nervous system which is the fight or flight mode is activated we do not want our sympathetic nervous system to be activated during sleep we want to be in parasympathetic dominance this is rest mode during our sleep this is the down state this is the rest recovery restore state this is where we want to be during sleep we achieve deep sleep by having a functional breathing pattern actually you know what i'm going to do a whole episode on functional breathing and bring my oxygen advantage functional breathing instructor training into it if you are a mouth breather during sleep i highly recommend using mouth tape do not freak out it's not as crazy as what you think people literally freak out when i talk about putting tape over their mouth during their sleep they think oh my god what if i stop breathing what because i can't breathe through my nose because my nose is blocked it's not what you think have a look at myotape m-y-o-t-a-p-e it was created by breathing expert patrick mccune patrick mccune is also the guy who wrote the course for my oxygen advantage functional breathing instructor training he's an incredibly incredibly smart man when it comes to breathing myotape is different from um, other sleep and sports lip tapes it does not cover your mouth it goes around your mouth and brings your lips together with like a light sort of elastic tension kind of like a band-aid that sort of elasticness and it helps to maintain your lips staying closed while you sleep which forces you to breathe through your mouth it like creates a reminder i guess for your brain while you're sleeping to keep your lips together so when you open your mouth to breathe the feeling of the tension from the tape will prompt your mouth to stay closed and this will just naturally happen while you're sleeping myotape helps to prevent you from mouth snoring it helps to reduce the symptoms of sleep apnea it helps to improve your sleep quality which will reduce your waking fatigue it literally improves dental health because mouth breathing is shocking for dental health 
It helps to reduce anxiety. It helps to lessen the symptoms of asthma if you have asthma. It helps to boost your focus during the day. Like there's so many benefits to using myote. I have personally used it on and off and I can definitely vouch for it. I'm going to put the link in the show notes if you want to get some for yourself. Alrighty, so next I'm going to speak into emotions just a little bit, not too much, because there's a lot that I want to cover in this episode. I know that when I'm feeling emotions like anger, frustration, sadness, disappointment, fear, shame, nervousness, all of those like lower vibrational emotions that I'm going to have trouble getting to sleep. I'm going to lie there for a long time before I fall asleep and that when I finally fall asleep, I'm probably going to have nightmares. I used to suffer from intense nightmares every single night from the time I was a kid, only literally up until a couple of years ago. And I actually thought it was normal. I just thought like it was normal to have nightmares every night. Lack of sleep can also be a causative factor of experiencing like these low vibrational emotions. So that can be a vicious cycle. Like if you're not getting enough sleep, you can feel anger and frustration and disappointment and all of these things. So how can we manage this? Well, first of all, what exactly is it that is causing you to feel the emotion or the emotions? And let's also put a name on the emotions. And then ask yourself, how do you want to feel instead? And then ask yourself, what is stopping you from feeling that? And now that you have some clarity, ask yourself what needs to happen to make this happen. Sorry about the little notification there on my phone. I forgot to put it on silent. Whoops. And what do you need to do to make this happen? Are there any obstacles? And what needs to happen to go beyond the obstacles if there are obstacles? What options and other possibilities are there? If you had all of the resources that you need, what would you do? What would the resources be? How would you get the resources? See how helpful it is to switch from focusing on the problem from spiraling into the emotions. Switch from this and focus on the solution to get you to the desired outcome. That is, how do you want to feel instead? There is always an answer and you always know what the right one is you do you just need to ask the right questions 
and get really honest with yourself. I hope you've found this helpful. I'm going to move on now from emotions. And I'm going to get a little bit sciencey here now. And I hope you don't get too lost. I'm going to try and keep it simple. So insufficient methylation, and methylation is a cellular function. Insufficient methylation can result in insomnia or poor sleep maintenance. Probably because of reduced neurotransmitter synthesis. That's like brain chemical synthesis. Methylation has hundreds of important roles in the body. And the process of methylation is dependent on dietary folate. So folate that you eat, which you get from fruits and vegetables and, you know, from food. This process of methylation is dependent on the folate that you eat being converted into an active form. Many people have genetic variations that reduce the ability of their body to convert folate to active folate. In particular, the most common one that you might have heard of is MTHFR. This MTHFR gene variation reduces your body's ability to convert folate to active folate. And this causes problems further downstream with the conversion of tryptophan to serotonin to melatonin. Melatonin is the neurotransmitter that makes us sleepy, remember, from part one. So if you have chronic insomnia, it might be worth getting tested to see if you have an MTHFR gene variation. You can get this done at the doctor. It'll cost you about 80 bucks. You can also get it done through a naturopath or a nutritionist. There are ways that you can support your body if you have one of these gene variations. But honestly, that is literally another whole episode. And yes, I will do one in the future on MTHFR. It's a big topic. Alrighty, so I want to speak into adenosine now. Adenosine is a chemical that is found inside our cells and it's used for energy production. That's the most commonly known role of adenosine. But it also has some other important jobs in the body and one of them is that it acts as a neurotransmitter that is involved in sleep initiation. So levels of adenosine are supposed to increase throughout the day and bind to adenosine receptors in the brain to make you feel sleepy as the afternoon turns into evening. It works alongside your circadian rhythm, your sleep-wake cycle. Remember we talked about this in part one. Cortisol rises with the sun and wakes you up. Melatonin rises with the moon and promotes sleep. Adenosine works in with this cycle. So caffeine blocks up the adenosine receptors to keep you awake and alert, which can be good at times. That's why we all want coffee for Ryan. Right? 
Some people have got genetic variations that enable them to process caffeine much quicker than others and some have variations that cause them to have significant adverse symptoms from caffeine because they literally can't process it quickly enough. Slow metabolizers really should avoid caffeine completely. Fast metabolizers might find they can literally drink coffee up until like 7 o'clock at night and still fall asleep. And the ones in between, which is, you know, most people, they're usually okay with like one to two cups before lunchtime. Adenosine also inhibits the release of excitatory neurotransmitter glutamate. Glutamate in excess causes agitation, causes poor memory, it causes poor focus and concentration. Adenosine deficiency can also result in stuff like poor sleep initiation, severe insomnia, anxiety, irritability, and overactive mind. So, moral of the story here, if you are having sleep issues and you are a coffee drinker, humour me and perhaps just try giving up the coffee for a few weeks and see what happens. I know, I know, I'm that bitch that tries to take away your coffee. Honestly, I used to be a huge coffee drinker, like I really was, from my teens up until only about six months ago. And honestly, I believed that it didn't affect me. I could, I could drink, you know, two cups of coffee, three cups of coffee before I would, you know, feel any kind of noticeable effects from it. But honestly, it wasn't until I stopped drinking it completely for long enough, like at least a month minimum, before I really started to put things together and realize how much it was actually affecting me. This was honestly a very hard pill to swallow. Like it really, really was. I loved my coffee. I just decided not to drink it anymore. It took me a long, 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 long time, many, many, many years to get to that point where I stopped believing that it wasn't affecting me and that I didn't need it. Like I I thought I needed coffee. I didn't and you don't either. Let's work on fixing all of the other issues around why you feel like you need coffee to get by like to get you going in the morning and to get you through the day work on the underlying stuff and then you won't need the coffee anymore all right moving on from coffee and adenosine next i want to talk about prescription sleeping tablets And generally I'm speaking about the benzodiazepines. That's like the class, the medication class. 
I do not recommend, and I'm saying this in bold italics and underlined, there is a really high rate of damaging side effects. Benzos are prescribed far too easily and far too often and it can take as little as two weeks of regular use to become dependent on them. Benzos literally depress your central nervous system and they also suppress deep sleep. Remember we talked about deep sleep in part one. Benzos are the prescription drug class causing the most overdose deaths and women tend to be more likelier to abuse them. Men generally tend to go for alcohol. This is not my area of expertise. I am not a doctor, but I have done enough education on them during my pharmacology subject at uni. And I also have done enough of my own research to know that these drugs are bad news. If you are interested to dig into this, please go to Dr. Kelly Brogan's website. She is a holistic psychiatrist. I will put the link in the show notes to her website. And I encourage you to read her book, A Mind of Your Own. I'm going to leave it there on benzos. Next, moving on to EMFs. And I might do a whole episode on this at some point, but in a nutshell, they can, in some sensitive people, cause long-term fatigue, sleep issues, cognitive disturbances, flu-like symptoms, ringing in the ears, headaches, abnormal sensations, dizziness and more. Sleeping near your mobile phone, modem, electrical meter, you know, like the one that's on the wall outside of your home, fridge, electric hot water system, electric alarm clock. All of this causes high exposure to EMFs, electromagnetic fields, during sleep. And this is not a good idea. It literally disrupts your sleep. Sleeping near a smart meter, which is a remotely communicating electricity meter, has been shown to have negative effects on fertility, especially in men. How scary is that? Building biologist Nicole Bilsmer is your go-to on environmental toxicity. My advice, mobile phones out of the bedroom on flight mode or turned off and modem switched off at the wall when you go to bed. And if your smart meter is within 15 meters of your bedroom, move at the very least to a different room furthest away from the meter We've literally had our electrical company hounding us for the past 18 months to upgrade our meter and I continue to tell them the same thing. We don't want one, we don't need one and no one is coming onto my property to install one. We do not want a smart meter. You can actually purchase a cover for your smart meter if you have one, which many, many properties do now. 
that helps to reduce radiation exposure. And full disclosure, I don't really know a lot about them as I don't have a smart meter, so I don't need one of these covers. So you can go and do your own research into this. Also, just keep your phone out of your bedroom full stop. Avoid lying in bed on your phone. Bed is for sleeping, not for scrolling. This is Sleep Hygiene 101. I started doing this a few years ago. Kept phones out of the bedroom, turned off at night time when I went to bed. And I grabbed myself a battery powered old school alarm clock online. Amazon, eBay, there are so many options. Ah, uh, what else, what else? Food. Eating a big meal close to bedtime can impact your sleep in a big way, especially if you have gut issues. You really want to make sure you've eaten dinner a minimum of two hours before heading to bed, especially if you suffer from reflux. And if you do suffer from reflux, that is a whole other issue and I urge you to take it seriously and dive into it with a naturopath. I've had quite the number of clients in my time who suffer from reflux. And just by simply not eating so close to bedtime, it changes the person's sleep quality because they are not lying in bed with uncomfortable reflux when they go to sleep. Overall, nutritionally, when it comes to sleep, we want to ensure that we're getting plenty of protein because protein is broken down to amino acids when it's digested and amino acids are required for healthy neurotransmitter production. We need healthy neurotransmitter production to feel calm and relaxed and get good sleep quality. When we're super stressed, we just chew up a lot of our resources and we also tend to fall off the bag in a bit when it sorry, off the bandwagon a bit when it comes to optimizing our intake of quality food. And so this is where sometimes we need to look at taking stuff like magnesium, L-theanine, glycine, taurine, L-glutamine, potassium, GABA. So those are, you know, some of my favorite supplements to support healthy nervous system functioning and quality sleep. And then I use and prescribe things like um, herbal medicines, things like passion flower, zizifus, lavender, withania, kava, magnolia, California poppy, saffron, oat, hops, skullcap, and there, there are so many that I mix together and personalize for my clients, depending on what's going on for them. But herbal medicines help to calm our nervous system and balance our nervous system so that we can be in an optimal state for quality sleep. Also, I really love Yogi bedtime tea. I literally drink it every night about an hour before bedtime. It's like my little bedtime ritual that I do every single night. Okay, well, we're at the half an hour mark, so I'm going to sign off now. I hope you've received something useful out of all of my ramblings. 
And I will see you next week for episode four of the Find Your Glow show. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love for you to give me a review, um, share the podcast on social media so more people can get exposed to it um, and, and learn and listen to my ramblings. Thank you again and I'll see you next week.